0: Okay. Any other burning desires for a prayer this morning before we get started? Trina Whitmire. Trina Whitmire, oh yeah, absolutely. funeral went really well, I believe, uh, last week. Um, but you definitely want to remember the Whitmire uh, family in your prayers. Okay, let's take a moment and let's pray. <clears throat> Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the blessing of life. Thank you for the blessing of being able to be here and to be in your presence. Lord, we we don't take these moments for granted. We don't need to, Lord. I uh, think about the, the Christians and just all the people that are struggling with the war that is now broken out between Ukraine and Russia. I think about the Christians in Ukraine. I think about the Christians in Russia. I think about how how hard it is to to try to be objective in the midst of a war when we know that our our fight is not against flesh and blood, um, that, that our war is against the enemy who is directing all of these wars. And uh, I pray, Father, that you would just be with those believers and help them to have strength in Christ. I pray that you would give them direction in the Holy Spirit, Father, more now than they've ever had in the past. There's going to be many dangerous um, moments where they're going to have to turn left instead of turn right. And I pray that you would help them to have that spiritual sensitivity so that you will take care of them in this difficult time. I pray for the powers that be, Lord, that you would give them wisdom and help them to, to mitigate the differences that they're having with each other so that there will be no war. I pray for peace, Father. And God, I pray for Maxanne's daughter, Melissa, who is going to have court tomorrow. I don't have the details, but I do pray that it is, since it is on Max Ann's heart, I know that uh, she is praying for a favorable outcome. Thank you for the moisture that we've had recently. I pray for uh, Connie uh, Weber um, and for, I believe it's Carson. I missed that one. I apologize. Martha Laura, I pray for her and her family, for Bo and Minnie and the children. Um, I pray for them, for the struggles that they're going through and for Pam's son, and for the addiction that he is struggling with, Father. God, there's a lot of, um, lot of struggles right now, a lot of things that people are dealing with. And I pray that your hand will be upon them all, and upon us. Help us to understand your word. God, you tell us in your word that you have given us the mind of Christ. I pray that his thoughts will light upon our minds as we surrender to your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I got that wrong. Connie Weber... I, I missed it. I'm sorry. I didn't have enough detail written down. Was just was like was oh, okay, okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Alan. Um, I don't have any slides today or anything, but uh, let's go ahead and take your Bibles out. Let's go to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And if you remember last week, um, I, I told you that we were we were going to kind of just do a one off class for a couple of Sundays. Just as we get some feedback as to some things that maybe you all would be interested in covering or, or doing, uh, I have received a, a total of one recommendation. So if you have any thoughts, if you have any uh, books of the Bible you'd like to go through, or topics, or texts, or anything like that, just let me know. That's exactly the same as my ringtone, so that made me nervous for a second. I was like, my phone is going off, and I can't figure out how to turn it off. So, anyway, that's not mine. Um, so, what I decided to do though was over the course of the next couple of weeks is that we were just going to do a one-off thing. And this is just something that has been on my heart for a while. It is a, a study that I, I love engaging in. But sometimes I love taking the descriptions of God that are given in the Bible and just exploring those. And one of the things that I have learned over the years is that one of the many reasons why God gives us these descriptions in the text is... Because we're trying to describe God, right? I mean, how that's so hard to describe God, and so it the Bible uses these analogies, these pictures, in order to try to to help us have a better understanding of who He is. And you'll notice that with every single one of the um, descriptions that are that are given of God in the Bible, in a way, if you think about it, it's a way in which. God is inviting you to know him personally. Think about this, for example. Uh, Maxine, I think, if I remember correctly, it was two weeks ago now, uh, the one that you brought up was Jehovah Jireh, right? Uh, That one uh, seemed like that one really impacted you for a reason. May I ask you why? Is there a reason why that one impacts you more than the others? or? So now for you, that Jehovah Jireh is not just another cool Hebrew name that you heard in the Bible. You now know him personally to you in your life as Jehovah Jireh, right? Okay. Any, plus the song. Plus the song Jireh, that's right. Anybody else? Does it, are there any other of the names of God or the descriptions of God in the Bible that you can relate to personally because of something that God has done in your life? Go ahead. Um, the God, of peace. God of peace. Okay. Because you have known him as the God of your peace, right? Yes, ma'am. Roxanne. Okay. God is my protector. I can't remember that one either, actually, right off the top of my head. But, yeah, it's Jehovah something. It's yes. Jehovah, one of those popular ones. Yes. Uh huh. Okay. Good. Well, okay, so what about this one? The one that we're looking at is the Lord is my shepherd, right? That's one of the scriptures. And we spent last Sunday just kind of building the groundwork for that, looking at you know, how does God use this language of shepherd all throughout the Bible. And if, if you remember, we, we said that God uses this language of shepherd for leaders in, in the ancient, uh, ancient times. The, the leaders of Israel were known as the shepherds of Israel. Um, God, several times in the text, equates himself as being a shepherd over his people. He calls his people the sheep of his pasture. We talked about how even in the ancient Near East, outside of the Bible, also, um, remember there was a very famous king of Egypt who, uh, remember remember his name? He was found in his gold sarcophagus, King Tut. King Tut in, in ancient Egypt also called himself a Shepherd of his people. So this language is very, very, very important. And it's because God is wanting to to give us a very good picture of who he is. Um, psalm 23 is a psalm of David. And when you, when you look at the psalm, when you look at the chronology of when David probably wrote a lot of his psalms, scholars will tell you, and I don't know, this is one of those things where I, I wish that I had first hand... You know, I could dig this up and tell you for sure. But a lot of scholars believe that when David sat down to write his psalms, he wrote most of them toward the latter part of his life, after he had lived a lot. And uh, I guess the reason why is because when you read the psalms, they don't read like an immature young believer in Christ, or not in Christ, but you know what I mean. They don't read like a young Believer, they read more like somebody, and this is is in the words of my, my Hebrew professor in college. He said, when you read Psalm 23, you are reading about a man who has lived much, sinned much, and been forgiven much. And so he gets to the very end of his life, and he says, listen, let me tell you something. When it's all said and done, the most important thing that you've got to remember is that you have a shepherd in your own life who watches over you. So one of the things I wanted to do for the remainder of our time this morning is I wanted to just kind of go through this verse by verse. I know it's a a psalm that we all know very well. I know this is well-trodden territory. But sometimes when you just kind of take a stroll through the text again, sometimes you'll kick over a pebble or two and you'll see something new that you've never seen before. So let's get into it and see what we can See what we can get into now. This is a, a Psalm of David. This is a uh, Mizmor. Everybody say Mizmor, Mizmor. Sounds like a, a woman that you know down the street. Her name is Mrs. Moore. Uh, but if you want to learn a little Hebrew, Mizmor is a Psalm. Okay, it's a Psalm, and it's a Psalm of David. This is attributed directly to the person that we know as King David, the one that killed Goliath in his in his youth. Um. This is where we left off last Sunday. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does it mean to say I shall not want? Does it mean I'm never going to want anything ever again? I hope not because I still would love to have a DeLorean. I really would. So I was talking to car the talking to the car fellow back here. That's my dream car is have a DeLorean one day. But no, it doesn't mean you won't want things from time to time. But what does it mean when David says, Because the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want? You won't lack anything. You won't what? What did you say, Max Ann? You won't need anything. Okay. Is is that in line with biblical teaching? What did Jesus say? along those same lines in the Sermon on the Mount. Did he have something to say about our needs and wants? Huh? God will provide for us, right? Can anybody remember the text? Specifically, what did Jesus teach in the Sermon on the Mount about wanting and needing? There you go. Oh, I love that. I love it let 's go over there and just glance at it. Matthew 6:25. Somebody turn over to Matthew 6:25, and when you get there, just uh, say, "I got it." and I'm going to let you read a few verses here. This is, this is what Jesus has to say about the topic. Okay, if you would read Matthew 625 and uh, just, just read a few verses. Okay, that's a good place to stop right there. Which one of you, by worrying, can add a single what to your life? Add a single hour. Now, I've tried. I've worried and worried and worried. I was hoping for at least another two or three minutes extra, but I didn't get that either. Why is it so hard sometimes? Now, first of all, let me say this. Why can Jesus say these words? Why can Jesus say with absolute confidence, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll wear. Think about the birds. God takes care of them. Aren't you more valuable than birds? What, What is Jesus trying to get them to understand here? What's he trying to adjust in the way that they see the world? And David's doing the same thing. Their value? He's not saying to quit work. He's saying, quit worrying about getting
1: the things that you need. God's going to take care
0: of it just like the grass and the sheep. Yeah. Shepherd takes care of the sheep. He's going to take care of you. Isn't it a matter of our trust and faith? If we spend our time worrying about such things, I mean, really, isn't it about our trust and our faith? But do we believe that God is sovereign or do we not? I mean, that's really what we're asking here. Do we really believe that God is sovereign? Because if you really believe that God is there, that He's sovereign, that He loves you, that He cares for you, then He already knows the fact that you need to eat. He already knows the fact that you need to wear clothes. Yeah. If you're focused
1: on different things, if you're worried all the time about different things, then your focus is not, it's going to debilitate you to where you can't focus on the things that God wants you to focus on. You can't be fully um, present
0: with the calling mm-hmm. that God puts on you. So what are some of the things that get in the way, you think, of us trusting God? That he's I'm got it. I have an outline of my life, and he doesn't have it. That's right. Sometimes his plan is different than mine, and I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah. Oh, did you hear what David said? He always takes longer than you want him to. That's true. That's true. hmm That's it. That's me. That, that that describes me to a T. Right here and then right here. Uh, the only in this group. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> what well, you really need to understand is sheep are totally effusive. Yeah. <laughs> and their life is in danger every single day because of predators and But
1: somebody takes care of them. That's right. Right. Something has to take care of those shoes. And
0: we're really the same way if we, if we look at it properly. We're in danger every day. Yeah. And Satan is there. So we have to depend on something other. I mean, we all like to talk about our 401Ks and plan for the future and all yeah.
1: those kind of things. But
0: we're still vulnerable every day. That's right. Very good. Yes, sir. Partial of the the
1: message, I think, is something that's not all about me. Yeah. If you take the point about the raiment, it's not what you wear or what you eat. I have what I have. Jesus is going to watch over me. So why worry about the petty things that you, you start worrying about those people?
0: That's right. So you worry about more than you worry about I like that. That's
1: because true.
0: The about what's best for the whole the whole group. Right. Uh, Augustine, you had a thought.
1: What it says to me is the joy and the love and the compassion and the freedom that I have, that I choose that and and, and take the road to where the Lord leads me to, than to go respond to that and steal the stuff that that God's given me. And talking about stuff, I've been with stuff
0: stuff, and I've been without stuff. That reminds me of the... that is isn't it it's different man amen i think about what jesus says toward the very end of the sermon on the mount he says if you seek if you seek the kingdom of god and my righteousness and god's righteousness right if you seek them with your whole heart then all these other things will what they'll be added to you and, and I think that, that I've discovered over the years that that's where I tend to find a lot of anxiety is when I'm not about the things of God, when I'm pursuing a different kingdom or different kingdom purposes other than um, what God has, has given me to do to build His kingdom. If I'm, if I'm busy building my own, then guess what? I'm going to be constantly worrying about do I have enough, how do I keep it, how do I build it, how do I grow it, and that type of thing, right? Okay. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yes. But I what I don't understand is
1: the people that
0: are starving. Yeah. The people that don't have easy roads to speak of another country here here. And he in Oklahoma and <laughs> uh Africa and these other places that why doesn't God define it? Yeah. That's what he means Christians. she asked a good question. She asked a good question and and uh and Man, I wish I had just went ahead and moved ahead instead of stopped, but okay. Um, No, Max Ann, that's a good question. Um, She asked the question, what about the places where there is starvation happening right now? What about the places where um, there's famine, uh, hunger, starving, children starving? Okay. Okay. Does anybody want to speak to that? I have a few thoughts. I'll I'll speak to it. Um, Augustine, thank you for your thoughts. What about you? Yes, ma'am. Jesus said the poor will always be good. You'll always have them. That's right. Yes. Right. That's right. I mean, even as simple as making a contribution to a a charity that can help feed the people.
1: Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything that you directly do.
0: Individually, you can't meet all of them. Right. So all of us together can't. Absolutely. I, go ahead. Okay, this is definitely generating some thought. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: yeah, no, yeah, right. Yeah. Um what I've witnessed. James, I think you were next.
1: we were talking about what we really what we need and God uh provides our needs. Uh and when I go to a restaurant, I think I need the salad and the full course and Right, right.
0: Right. And, and so uh,
1: if we would for our grain with what we would have to give to
0: yeah. the Yeah. And I think that's kind of where I think about too, Max. And if I were to just kind of put two cents in on, on the question, it's a great question. We do have starving and hunger in this world. Um, and I think that one of the things we have to re- remember is that God's kingdom Exist in a very small form right now, in a very imperfect form right now, because we have not arrived yet, right we haven 't come into our new bodies yet, so we exist on this earth in a in a very um, growing we 're transforming we 're learning right we 're being discipled by the Holy Spirit. We're doing the things of God imperfectly. But at the same time, that kingdom exists in the midst of a fallen world, right? That is affected by sin and drought and famine and war. Um, So we have to understand the promises of God in context of the bigger picture of what's going on in the world, right? Um, Yes, it's true that if you are a believer in Christ uh and you're seeking him and you're seeking the kingdom and his righteousness god knows that you have needs right and he will do what he can to meet those needs and i think paul expresses that same sentiment because in the mission field he says later on i know what it's like to have a lot i know what it's like to have nothing i've had times where i've gone hungry and been naked and been without clothes he said so i've been in those places before and God has taught me the secret of being content no matter, no matter what, no matter what. Um, at the same time, there are people in the world who are starving. And I don't know of a Christian, a, a good Christian nowhere, who, has, who hears about that and doesn't do something to try to help. You know what I mean? And, and, and to me, that's a mark of a Christian. When they hear a need like that, they're going to do something about it. And God knows that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's, it's, not, it's not a perfect answer, but... Yeah. Uh, would you mind just just
1: for a minute and a half or so, just kind of
0: sharing your vision of what you think the kingdom of God fulfilled in the new earth will be like, with this in mind, hunger and, and the shepherd. of um, So, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're you're asking me what, what what is my understanding of the future kingdom, like in its fulfillment, or? Okay. Who don't have as much as right. How's it going to be in, the kingdom? in the in the fulfilled kingdom. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in the fulfilled kingdom. See, again, we're we're waiting for the king to return. Right. He, Jesus said, "I go to prepare a place for you." We tend to think that that just means an afterlife. That's not it's not what he's referring to whatsoever. The picture that you have in the book of Revelation is that when he comes, he comes bringing back a king, a kingdom. He brings back a new Jerusalem. <laughs> Okay that's pretty amazing stuff, all right but in the meantime we're going to be we're going to be living in a renewed, renovated renovated renewed is a good sense of the word, heavens and the earth okay so we're going to have functions to carry out and perform while we're living here in a new body um, but if, if I'm hearing you correctly the, the you're talking about the the the, um, the feast between Abraham Isaac and Jacob and the, the final. Oh. Or will everybody just be copacetic? Oh, okay, okay. So, okay, specifically, will there be any needs? Now, that, that's a deep question because it depends on what your eschatology is, right? It depends on if you have a, a view, of if it's going to play that's out one way or the other. You, just for a minute and a half. Yeah, just for a minute and a half. There's no minute and a half to that one. No, okay. No, I believe that we, that we are going to, to have a new heaven and a new earth. I, I believe that during the, the first part of that, that first thousand years, um, that there will be needs. Uh, There's going to be a lot of work that's going to be going on. You're going to have two different kinds of people on the earth in those days. You're going to have those who have been resurrected and who have their resurrection bodies and who are living eternal life then. And then you're going to have others. Uh, who have come out of this time period that's referred to in the Old Testament of war and famine and disease, and uh, those two are going to be coming under the headship and the leadership of Jesus Christ. Now, you probably, some of you may have never heard that perspective before. Um, it's a very literal understanding of the Old Testament prophecies about the second coming. Um, but I think the point that you were wanting to make in all of that is that uh, that it's still our role even there. To, to reach out and to help um, and to teach, and that that's going to be part of our role in that time, is to reach out and to help and to teach. Did I touch on it, The what you were yeah, expecting? I, I, and it was an unfair question, really. Thank you. It really was. I, <laughs> I I was thinking it was very unfair. And I, I've always understood what we're doing now as sort of practicing for eternity. It is, yes. Right. So, how will that play out? Yeah. That, that benevolent attitude. Yeah. What is what that? And and nobody knows. I know. I just wanted you to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to open that can of worms yet. No, I'm sorry I that's a down the road there. <laughs> um, but no, you're exactly right. And one of the things that I that I do think about is uh, when it comes to the millennium and when it comes to Jesus coming into his 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 final kingdom, um, is. Oh, what was it? I had a thought, David, while you were were talking. I'm sorry. sorry. What was it? I hate it when I do that. (laughs) I know, right? Okay, forget it. There was a hand that went up in the back. Okay, yeah, go ahead, Rick. I was just going to say, I heard a preacher one time trying to explain what heaven's going to be like. He says, first of all, you've got to realize your concept is altogether wrong. Yeah. And feed somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And I I love what David said about this being a training ground, because that is absolutely true. What we're doing right now, the whole reason why we're being discipled right now is because you do realize that we are being prepared for the roles that we're going to have in that next life. Um, When I was growing up, the the theology of heaven that I received was from Looney Tunes. I mean, it really was. Like, I kind of thought heaven was sitting on a cloud somewhere playing, uh, and and then I got older and realized that was sinful, so you throw the, you got to throw the harp out. Now you're just sitting on a cloud, which to a teenager did not sound like a great place to go, I'll just be honest with you. So, yeah. Roxanne? And all of this kind of up some of what I'm That's right. To use it, or to reveal a gift that I didn't know I had. That's exactly right. See, this is what's going on behind the text in, this is not Psalm 23. We have, that, that rabbit trail has left, that train has gone. We, we may come back to Psalm 23 next week because we didn't actually get into the Psalm 23 at all. That never happens with me. I don't know why that happened. But anyway, Roxanne, to, to, to your point, let me make this point here and, uh, and I, we'll stop. We'll stop here at 1215. Um, that's exactly what's going on behind the text in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. If you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, you've got this church that is dealing with all these divisions. And I bring this up because this goes along with what we've been talking about with upreach, inreach, and outreach. The last sermon we did on inreach about division and unity. Paul makes a, a, a curious statement there. and He's talking about there's a guy in the church, and we don't know if, he's, if it's his mother, if it's his stepmom. It doesn't matter. It's still messed up. But he's having a relationship with his mother. And because they have a really messed up understanding of grace... They think that this should be applauded and accepted and put upon as in a place of pride. Okay? Look what we're doing. Look what we, we've accepted because this is grace. See, God's grace covers this. And, and Paul is really, really upset with them about this. And he says, no. He says, that man needs to be placed outside the kingdom, outside the church to let Satan deal with him in his flesh so that his spirit might be saved. In other words, place him outside the realm of God's hand of protection. Let Satan handle it for for a season and then hopefully through that he'll come back, right? And that's actually what happens by the time you get to 2 Corinthians. But later on in that same chapter there's another issue that's going on and they're fighting and taking each other each other to court. They're going and using civil... There are civil issues that are happening in the in the church, and they're going to court, and Paul gets really upset with them. And he makes this comment. He says, don't you understand that in the kingdom, you are going to sit on thrones and judge the angels? Stop. Stop right there. Full stop. <laughs> See, this is one of those times where I think Paul is probably... Speaking information that he has received from a vision in that third heaven catchaway thing. Some of those things are not lawful to talk about. I think Paul might have left a a little slip right there because what Paul is saying is, is that when you are having these issues with other people in the church and you feel like the only way to, to deal with it is through your flesh and take them to court, don't you realize that that is a training ground that God has allowed in the church to prepare you and equip you for what you're going to need when you rule and reign with Him in the next millennium? You think, you think that these issues that we're talking about here don't matter when we talk about in and division and unity? They do. Because we're trying to learn, be disciples, so that we will have the equipment that we need in the millennium, in the next part, in the next season that we're going to be in with God. Does that make sense? Well, that wraps up Psalm 23. (laughs) That's it. Psalm 23. Yes, ma'am. Grace does not give us permission to thumb our nose. That's right. That's right.
1: Yeah. Grace covered them that they were taken out in because they deserved the death
0: right. Yes, there's grace, but it is not permission to... Like it says in the book of Titus, grace is the grace of God that teaches us not to sin. It's the grace of God that teaches us not to sin. Okay, we'll stop here. Um, do we pray at the end of our Bible class? We should, shouldn't we? Father, we thank you for this time. Bless you. Father, in, uh, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us today. Uh, help us as we go into our time of worship as we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen.